1: This is your typical radio ad while eating a Crunch Bar.
0: This is Automatic of Auto's used cars. This weekend only, we're having a whale. Bring the kids. See for yourself. It is huge. Gonna make a big splash. No other dealer can say they have a whale like this.
2: When things sound dull, turn up the fun with Crunch. Welcome to the BBC Music Magazine podcast. You can subscribe to the magazine by visiting classical-music.com or to our interactive iPad edition by visiting itunes.com. BBC Music Magazine is now an official Apple Music curator and you can listen to our exclusive playlists by visiting applemusic.com slash bbcmm. Today, it's the turn of First Listen, where members of the editorial team chat about and rate an important new release. And here in the studio is Rebecca Franks, our reviews editor, Jeremy Pound, our deputy editor, and Eleanor Cooper, our editorial assistant. Hello. Hello. And this month, we've been listening to Leon Cavallo's opera Zazaar in its 1919 version, revived and recorded by the record label opera Rara, starring Emonila Yahoo and Riccardo Massi among others, with the BBC Symphony Orchestra under Maurizio Bernini. So, are we looking at Zazar hurrah or more a question of Zazar bizarre? Let's hear the opening to the opera. So that was the opening to Leon Cavallo's Jeremy, go on, tell us about the plot.
3: Well, basically, it opens in a music hall. uh, And there's actually a vast um, array of characters who kind of come in and out during that first act. It can be quite confusing. You have to keep your finger on on what's happening. Um, The central character is Zazar. And it's basically about the fact that she falls in love with um, Milio, who is a very affluential businessman. He um, doesn't tell her that he's actually married and then she goes to Paris and she discovers that he is married and then it's about how, oh, well, there's a bit of a spoiler alert coming here, but it's about how they cannot um, fall together in love and be together because he is married and she's actually absolute about that. In, in, in a sort of quite a nice rare twist for Verismo Opera, there's actually no one dies in it, which makes a nice change.
2: So uh, Another spoiler, so thank you for that. <laughs> um... <laughs> Rebecca, the, the, the story is very dramatic and, uh, you know, there's lots of gnashing and wailing of teeth. Does does the music, do you think, um, reflect
0: that? Well, it's an interesting case. I mean, I think it's an opera that sort of lives or dies by the quality of its heroine. And it's not music that has sort of, it's packed with big sort of puccini tunes or anything. It It's, there is a lot of lyrical stuff there, but it's... Um, you know you're not going to go come away humming a lot of the tunes i don't think but actually it has a tremendous input packs i found and um it's quite interesting there's an interesting booklet essay in the um in the cd which talks a lot about why this opera has been forgotten and um, one of the Sort of theories that it explores is the idea that in this realist verismo opera, he was moving further and further towards making the opera more like speech, making the singing more like speech, so that you could really you didn't have to suspend so much disbelief. Which I thought was quite interesting Wagnerian in 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 a sense. sense,
2: So so we've got a sort of hybrid really between the sort of romantic sort of impressionism of Wagner and the sort of real verismo sort of theatrical. Um, appeal.
0: Yeah, and I think when in the moment, it, I found it really grabbed me actually, and there were lots of colourful touches. There's a moment where her mother. Comes on and she's talking about um, the geese and there's lots of sort of little imitative sounds in the orchestra and there's sort of comic touches as well. And also all that the music, because it's set in a music hall, so we have a lot of music that's taking place on the stage. You hear snippets in the background, and I think he plays with the music of the characters and the music of the music hall in yes. a clever way as yes, well. Yes, it's quite
2: interesting, isn't it? I don't know, the, the idea that, that characters are actually hearing the music that is being performed, but then they are singing as well. So we have this real juxtaposition of sort of. Two yeah, types absolutely. of music.
1: I think that's how he gets away with um, having some is in the background because you do hear off-stage singing. Um, And those are the long extended passages. But over the top of that, you have other people um, chatting and and singing in in speech form, um, which is very kind of engaging and entertaining. And in the the first act, parts of me, I thought,
0: oh, why? you know, it's all building to this moment where they kiss and declare that they're in love. And you think, oh, the stuff before could get a bit of a move on. But then actually, when you think about it, there's lots of lively, interesting stuff happening in a way. So perhaps we could actually hear that moment where they fall in love. So that's the end of Act 1 where Emilio and Zazar finally kiss and decide that they're in love and that paves the way for the rest of the, the story that follows.
2: It does and it soon sort of moves on to suspicions arising as Casca, I think, uh, uh, suggests. That there's more to Emilio than meets the eye. Um, and Zazar gets suspicious and decides to pack her bags and go to Paris to see what he's all about. Um, and there's a wonderful passage, actually, towards the end of um, Act 2 um, where... Zaza is actually packing her bags with the help of her maid, and and plans to go off to Paris. And I think it's a, it's a wonderful passage, and really moves the drama along. So let, let's hear let's hear a bit of that. <laughs> So that was an extract from near the end of Act Two, um, where Cesar's going off to see um, whether Milio is the man that he proclaims he is. But um, Eleanor, it is a wonderfully expressive.
1: It is, moment. yeah. It's very chaotic and in this, there's lots of lovely stage directions in the um, libretto which kind of suggests that she's running around with one shoe on and running into the closet when that should be her maid's job and her maid's trying to stop her and it's, um, you yeah, know, very active and then she finally gets off off, and goes, goes to Paris. I'd actually really like to see this staged, I think, mm.
0: I've really enjoyed listening to it on CD and they did this concert performance but I just think there would be so much
1: there to bring out in a production. Yeah, it'd be brilliant. I think you'd understand it slightly more easily um, in a stage version because occasionally it is confusing when you're listening to it to just comprehend all the characters and where they are on stage and when they're um, exiting stage right and left. Although I
2: I do find them very characterful. I I find Emilia Yahoo's wonderfully um, vivacious Mm. uh, uh, and I think she really manages to... To, to bring across those emotions through the microphone. and I, I think I, I, I think, think it's, she's it's...
0: wonderful, yeah. She really captures every nuance, doesn't she? And you feel like she's just living that character. Uh, and and... Particularly
1: when it's the speech-like um, sections and she's interacting with it feels very natural always, um, all of her interjections and kind of speaking across people and all of that.
2: And I really like Ricardo Massey as Melio. I think he's got a very warm uh, tenor voice.
1: Yeah, I, I slightly wonder
0: with him. I couldn't work out whether it was just because... Emilio, the character, you think, well, oh, why <laughs> is she falling in love with him, or has mm-hmm. she even fallen in love with him? Is this all just lust, actually? But I, I sort of wondered if you could have, if there, he could have been just a little bit more, sort of compelling, or something that you could see in his, hear in his voice somehow that would make you think, oh yes, she's been completely bowled over by quality. I mean, she,
2: she's clearly very vulnerable. She's a very insecure person, Cesar, mm. I think. I mean, she's surrounded by all these people. She's she's constantly having to be reassured, and she's guided by her mum and her maid and her friends. And you know,
1: it's oh, a very difficult childhood, hasn't yeah, she? a terrible about, childhood. And You hear this. about that later when she is, in fact, in the next track. You hear about it uh, when she uh, discovers Milio's uh, daughter Toto, and Toto and her have this um, conversation about childhood and about how Toto's had this wonderful childhood and, and uh, Zazar's had this very troubled one. Should we hear that now?
0: Angelito il tuo nome Antonietta Dufresne il nome mio Ma mi dico Toto Toto, di tu Voi mi date del tu, perché? Perché
3: tu rosso vieni Uno uh, che amo tanto. Uno che amate. Io somiglio a papà.
0: Lo conoscete?
3: No.
0: Io da sei mesi non vedea.
1: So that was Toto, Miliot's daughter, and Zazar uh, speaking about their childhoods. So I think it's a lovely device that Leon Cavallo uses, but I rather question the age of the voice. The, um, uh, Julia Ferry is, qu- is quite old for Toto. I think a younger, more vulnerable-sounding voice would have been more convincing for me.
3: That's a fair point. What is interesting, though, is so much of the emotion in this opera is actually built around milieu, who doesn't deserve any of it. <laughs> he has this loving wife, his loving daughter. We have Zaza who sort of falls in love with her. And yet he is actually a thoroughly unlikable two-dimensional character. And actually, Leon Cavallo actually plays into his hands by giving him some of the best arias as well. And you think, I'm not entirely convinced by this because basically he is a bloke who turns up in a flash suit at this music hall in Saturday and kind of flashes himself around, doesn't tell Zaza that he's, yeah. he's already he married and a has a daughter. a
0: very... Sort of weak fight, doesn't he? he? Goes, oh, I mustn't go near her because. <laughs> and, <he's portrayed laughs>
3: but... <laughs> and he's portrayed as this romantic hero. It's an absolute disgrace. And the the aria I want to, I want to kind of show is. um beginning of the third act um, where he's looking at his desk and he's having these kind of these quandary and he actually begins with oh my little desk so cov- covered with clutter just like my heart so cluttered with woes anything nonsense <laughs> Absolute nonsense you've done the dirty on your wife and now you're kind of left with this slight quandary but I'm just simply not convinced of it however the music itself is very beautiful What a cad. <laughs> yeah, what an absolute cad. And for me, actually, he is the character which makes the opera itself unconvincing, is that I just cannot sympathise or empathise with him at all. I also don't hugely... I'm not hugely convinced by the character of Zazar at all. Um, I think she has these little arguments at the beginning with Floriana, who's her sort of um, her sort of arch rival and she she's portrayed initially as being very kind of flighty and lightweight and then suddenly halfway through the first act she suddenly becomes this very in-depth character there's almost like this big
2: character shift and i find it very unconvincing it is interesting the libretto is written by leon cavallo as well and, and you know he he um, you know was was thought of equally as as much of a poet as he was a composer and you know that he could have gone one way or the other uh, i mean we don't know a huge amount about his life but uh, but clearly he was a man who you know wrote operas to entertain audiences and i don't Think you, one should read too much into these. You know, the, the action moves along. There's there's a lot going on. There's a, there are a lot of characters, and I have a feeling that two dimensional characters were the order of the day. To be frank, in an awful lot of these operas, um, it's not surprising it's got lost. But it's really lovely to hear it revived. I have to say, mm-hmm. how revived it's going to stay. I've no idea. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can see it being performed by some of these country operas around the UK, people like Grange Park and Longborough and Holland Park. But, but I mean, you know, um, Rebecca, can you see it appearing at the Opera House or ENO?
0: I th- well, as I said before, I think it depends on on the heroine, really. And if you've got a singer who can can carry it, like we have here, then. You know there are lots of operas that perhaps aren't you know absolutely first-rate operas that get staged at, at the big opera houses, but I can sort of imagine it more in a in a country house opera setting, as you say. But I think yeah, it does very much depend on the voice, and I think in, um, in Ali Yaho we really have an ideal ideal person for this, and. Um, you know, she
2: could carry it off. I mean, I can imagine the, the opening the scene is really very imaginative. The idea of, you know, behind the scenes of a of a music hall and an actors, singers going on and off and singing their numbers to a, an imagined audience the other side of the uh, the set is, is is really lovely. And I think if it's directed well, I think it could prove to be a very um, spectacular production.
0: Yeah, I think actually. it's much more. I mean, it's much more sort of. Engaging than a lot of forgotten operas that get revived and some of them you think, well, that was interesting to hear but, you know, four hours of bel canto might not necessarily mm. ha- or have the plot or the depth to, to carry mm. it. It's but only a couple of hours this, long.
1: This this kind it, of, yeah, quite, it just, you
0: know. it's good entertainment. I think it, the nice think. thing about
1: it is because it does move on so quickly and yet it is very fast-paced and that probably will play in its favour in terms of um, being revived because it is engaging as you watch it or listen to it.
2: And we didn't have its you know, shortage of supporters when it was premiered. Um, it premiered like it was as a... it was by Toscan... Toscanini was conducting
0: Yeah, it. and then a big hit being played in a lot of countries very quickly, I think. So it clearly had its appeal at the time. So we need some marks out of ten.
2: Um, Rebecca?
0: I'm going to give this eight out of ten. Um, I think it's a really great project. And I th- I'd just like to say, I think actually they've um, presented it really beautifully. And it's got a good essay and it's got the full libretto and translation, which you don't always get. And I think that's where you absolutely have to have it for a project like this. Um, I would give more points for Eminella Yahu because I think she's fantastic. But overall, eight.
3: Eight. Jeremy? I'm going to give it six out of ten. I think the cast is excellent. I think the playing is excellent and it moves along very nicely. Um, Patricia Bardon's voice is a little bit of an acquired taste as Anaida, which is Zaza's mother. But I think the actual performance is wonderful. But I found the opera itself very unconvincing and not remotely memorable, I'm afraid. Jeremy
2: with his literary hat on there. <laughs>
1: um I think I'm also going to give it eight actually because I, I equally really enjoyed the music. I really enjoyed the performance. Um, I'd really like to see it, which I think is partly the point of this project: is to bring this opera out and and make people curious about it. So, and I think it succeeded in doing that.
2: So I'm going to give this seven. Um, I agree with um, Jeremy's points that the opera is fairly lightweight and not entirely convincing, but I also agree with Eleanor and Rebecca in that it is, uh, wonderfully performed and wonderfully sung, and I think does deserve revival, and I think could prove to be a very entertaining evening's opera. And I think that's you know when, when you go off and hear uh, the opera, the last thing necessarily that you want is something of Wagnerian stature and something to ta- tax the brain too much. So I think seven out of ten, um, which gives us an average of seven and a quarter for Zaza. Um That brings us to the end of this month's first listen. Uh, Do join us next month. We'll be discussing another exciting, we hope, new release. Goodbye. 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 Thank you for listening to this BBC Music Magazine podcast, which was produced in our Bristol studio by Jack Fletcher. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at classical-music.com or simply head to iTunes.